Welcome aboard, Giants fans, to episode 78 of Talk is Cheap, our New York Giants podcast right here on NJ.com. I'm Joe Giglio, joined as always by James Scratch and Dan Duggan. They cover the Giants, the playoff-bound New York Giants for NJ.com. The Giants, we know, will be there in the postseason playing on Wild Card Weekend. Where they play, that is to be determined. We'll talk about that and how they play Week 17 against the Redskins in a game that is meaningless for the Giants. That is going to be a big part of the conversation as well today. James, uh, welcome on in. Hope you had a Merry Christmas. And, and this should be an interesting week here as the Giants have nothing to play for, but already the debate has started because they're in a game against a team that has a lot to play for. They're thrilled, obviously, to be here for the first time in five years. They're in the playoffs. They uh, obviously lost to the Eagles, got a little help from the Saints on Christmas Eve. But no, you're right, Joe. It's a really kind of, I think, Eli Manning maybe said it best on Monday in a conference call. There's really no right or wrong answer to how the Giants approach this week. And no one's ever really going to be proven correct or incorrect about how they do it. It's just they have to make the decision now. What are they going to do on Sunday in Washington? How is that going to impact them going forward? How is that going to impact them this week? So I don't know what they're going to do, but we'll talk about it. But I don't know if there's a right decision. I, I just think they have to make a decision. They do, and it is, it's subjective, it is, and there's no way to know, no, no matter what they do uh, on Sunday in Washington, whether it's to start their, all their players and play them through like a regular game or to rest their starters, you're right, we'll never know what was the right answer because you could just take your opinion, take your hypothesis, and just throw it on whatever happens. And if they go on a run, you'll say, see, the Ben McAdoo made the right decision, and if they don't and they get knocked out in round one, you could say, see, Mac- McAdoo made the wrong decision. I think they should rest. Uh, personally, because I think they're a top-heavy team, and I just think their stars are so important to their run that if any of those guys get hurt, you know, the six or seven best players on the team, I think they're screwed to even win one game. That's for that's me. Dan, where do you stand on this uh, as the Giants prepare for this Week 17 game? Yeah, I've kind of settled on a conclusion of treating it like the third preseason game where, I mean, if you have a guy like, say, Janoris Jenkins last week when he was a game-time decision, there should be no game-time decisions this week. If a guy is that up in the air, you just don't play him. Now, that being said, if Jenkins is back and ready to play this week, I wouldn't hold him out, you know, extra precautionary. Um, But like I said, so nobody who's really on the fence, I'd obviously, you know, err on the side of caution with anybody injured. Uh, But I wouldn't just, you know, put it in cruise control and and start all the backups. I, I just don't think this team kind of has that luxury. I think they, especially offensively, they need to find you know some sort of rhythm. So, I mean, like I said, third preseason game where you're going to play at least the first half, maybe even into the third quarter. What, what I would do, and, and this is kind of an old like, you know, Bill Belichick trick, is I'd play Eli into the third quarter, not tell Josh Johnson when he's going in, and then just in the middle of the series, you know, yank Eli out and throw Josh Johnson in because, you know, if he plays in the playoffs, that's most likely going to be the scenario. So I think even that, you can, you can gain something out of that. Um, you know, it's an interesting point of, of Josh Johnson. You know, he signed with this team after the preseason, so he actually hasn't played in a game with these guys. So, I mean, again, if, if disaster strikes with Eli in the playoffs, you know, at least getting Josh Johnson some snaps this week would at least uh, give you some maybe comfort in what you have or, or maybe discomfort in what you don't have. But I think that's important, like James said, to get him some snaps. Um, yeah, I don't think Odell Beckham – needs to be in there in the fourth quarter. Uh, but I think it's, you know, it's, like I said, I would approach like the third preseason game, come out, get some good work. You know, if the starters are, out, you know, you know, leave with the lead and end up losing the game, you know, obviously it doesn't matter. And, or even if they just lose the game, it really doesn't matter, obviously. Uh, but I think, you know, this team could use a little momentum because they don't have a heck of a lot of it right now, especially offensively. And there's precedent on both sides, James. I mean, you look back at some past years and what teams have done. I mean, the one that will keep coming up this week 
is obviously with Tom Coughlin's decision, 2007, the Giants, a very similar scenario, had the fifth seed locked up. They were going to the playoffs. They couldn't advance or be higher, and they couldn't win a division or anything like that or get a bye. And that history was on the line there against the end of the Patriots. Coughlin played it through. They came close. It clearly played a role in their minds to springboard them to a championship. You also had, you know, the 14-0 Colts one of these years in recent years with Peyton Manning. They sat. They ruined their chance at history. But they did get to a Super Bowl that year. They didn't win it, but, you know, they got through two playoff games. It works on both sides. James, what have you seen when you've looked back at teams that have done this, you know, in recent years? Okay, so I went back to the past 25 years of the playoffs, and I didn't really necessarily look at, you know, who sat or who sit. I mean, that would require a lot of research. But I looked at how did teams fare that when they entered the playoffs, they had lost at least two straight games. So I figured that accounts for teams that rested for a week or two weeks, you know, or in the Giants' case, they, they lost the divisional game on, in Week 16, and then they sat on 17 or whatever they do. Those teams are 17-9 and nine in their first uh, playoff games after entering the playoffs on a two-game losing streak or, or more. That kind of surprised me. But then again, you have a lot of division winners, I think, that kind of throttled down at the end. You have a lot of division winners with first-round buys. The wild-card teams that have entered the season, entered the playoffs on a two-game losing streak, in the past 25 years are five and six, but they're one and three in the past 10 years. Cause if you remember, if you go back, I think 2002 is when the NFL went to the current four division format, you used to have an extra wildcard team would get in. A lot of times a wildcard team back in the day would have a, would be a, you know, double digit win team because there was only three divisions and divisions were stronger and the league was kind of more top heavy at that point. So, I don't think there's really a right or a wrong answer. Look, I think the Giants should go into Washington playing to win in the sense that I think you start Eli. I don't this idea that you basically like this should leave Beckham in East Rutherford because Josh Norman's in the building. I mean, one, they got through one Josh Norman game without any Beckham issues. I mean, well, aside for the kicking that thing, but two, I mean, what kind of message does that send? If you're basically, oh, we can't put Odell on the field because Josh Norman's there. I mean, to me, that doesn't send a very good message. And I don't think, look, if Eli is going to play, I think Odell should play. If Odell's not going to play, then Eli shouldn't play. And I, I think that if you just put Eli in for one snap so he keeps the starts record going, I mean, that's pretty cheap. If Eli's going to play, I think he should play at least for a half. Beckham should play at least for a half. Now, if it's one of those situations where they get the ball first and they go down the field and they rip off an eight-play, 80-yard drive and it's like the best drive of the season and McAdoo says, okay, let's end on a high note, I, I can understand that. But I think they should go in there, Dan's right, limit the injured guys, rest the injured guys, the guys that are banked up. You know, John Casillas made this point on a conference call Monday. Most of the Giants' defensive players platoon anyway to begin with. It's not like they've got a lot of guys who are out there every snap. Get those guys off early. Get Eli in the offense some work. If you win the game, great. If you don't win the game, who cares? I just think you actually have to go in there and make a representative effort and try to at least win. I just think if you go in there and mail it in, you're going to enter the playoffs in two straight losses, division opponents. You're not playing very well on the road. You're probably going to be playing a really tough team on the road in Seattle or, or Green Bay or Atlanta or Detroit. I just think you've got to make some sort of effort. 
I think every decision a, a coach makes in an NFL season, Dan, is risk versus reward, right? Go for it on fourth down, punt or whatever, kick a field goal. What's the reward here, right? If they play and they go out there to play to win the game, what's the reward? James was just talking about not going in with two straight losses. I know you wrote about the offense and it is what it is and probably one game, even if they did have a good showing against Washington, probably wouldn't change it. In, in your mind, is there anything to gain by playing and playing to win this game? I mean, I don't think there's anything necessarily tangible to gain because, again, if they win by 100, lose by 100, they're fifth seed and they're going on the road the first round. So nothing like that matters. I mean, but I just think there's – I mean, these are competitors. They're football players. You know I mean? This isn't uh, – you know, they're not playing this in a boardroom. And there's just something to be said for going out. You know Washington's going to be playing hard and beating them. I mean, there is confidence. There is momentum. All those types of intangibles, they do matter. And, again, if this if, – if they were the Cowboys – and just, you know, crushing everybody, basically, except for the Giants, of course. But if you're the Cowboys, after they did last night, you can probably throttle it back next week and, and feel pretty good about where you're going to be. And I, I don't even think they're going to do that. But the Giants still haven't clicked. I mean, Odell Beckham is talking after the 15th game, like, oh, it's coming. Well, it would be nice to see it one time during the regular season, you know, so everyone doesn't believe that they're just going to snap their fingers and, and magically have it work at, you know, Lambeau Field or in, in Seattle when it's going to be uh, pretty tough. So, yeah, I don't think that they need to win the game and if they go out and stink on Sunday, even with the starters, it doesn't mean they're going to lose in the playoffs. But again, you only get 16 of them, as McAdoo likes to say. So I, I just don't think they're in a position where they can kind of just pack it in and say, hey, you know, we're in the playoffs. Let's just back in at 10-6 and six with two straight losses. I, I think there is something to be gained uh, mentally. And it's not quite, you know, 07 where you're, you're playing the undefeated Patriots and it'd be like a real rallying cry. But I think if they go out and the offense is, is efficient and they put up 21 points in the first half, and then you shut Eli down. I think everyone, you know, feels a little bit better. Then there's at least some, uh, you know, evidence that this offensive breakout that they've been, you know, teasing us with for 16 weeks actually, you know, may be there. So I think I think that's really all it is. Um, but then hey, listen, you see what happens to Derek Carr, and if if that happens to Eli in the first quarter, then obviously <laughs> we're all going to be killing McAdoo for making the wrong call. But that would be that would be hindsight because I think that you know he should play him. Well, Joe. But- Go ahead, James. I was going to say two things. One, you know, we talked about there's really no right or wrong answer. If Eli or Odell, like, break their leg, then there clearly was a wrong answer. Yes. I mean, it's a way. results-based business. It's a results-based business. Uh, the thing is, look, there's a lot of reasons for Matthew to, to play this game relatively as is. There's a lot of ways reasons why he should rest guys. 2007 and Tom Coughlin's decision have absolutely nothing do with this game and this team so I, I think people who are like well Tom did it I mean no no look the Giants are in the playoffs for the first time since 2011 I think the time has come for us to, Super Bowls are great everyone's always going to remember them and cherish them the time has come for us to stop looking at everything that goes on around the Giants through the 2007-2011 lens completely different team basically all different players Eli's going to be 36 in a couple of days it's it's new era of giant football. Ben McAdoo's team, this is his decision to make based on his team, not what Tom did almost a decade ago. Yeah, I totally agree with that, James. And, and different circumstances. I mean, just think about it from the perspective of the quarterback. I mean, you guys are just saying if he gets hurt, forget it. I mean, Ben McAdoo will be killed for it. But in 07, not only was that history on the line and all that kind of stuff, but you were, they were dealing with a quarterback in his fourth year that just a couple weeks before, you know, got incompletion after incompletion in a game they needed. And I think a couple weeks before that, through four interceptions, including two return for a touchdown. I mean, at that point, 
there were still a lot of people out there that thought Eli wasn't even their quarterback. Like they had to get rid of him after that season. So, I mean, that for his confidence, that played a big role. I mean, they're way past that. It's a different team. I agree. I mean, this is just a, a totally different scenario. The other aspect of this weekend, as you look forward to Week 17, not just what the Giants and Redskins turn out to be uh, in Landover, but what it means for the Giants, everything else that happens in the NFC. We know there's going to be a title game in Green in Detroit on Sunday night for the NFC North title between Green Bay and Detroit. But there's other places the Giants could go. So where are we right now in terms of where the Giants could go? Where are you guys could get on a plane and go a week from this weekend. Dan, give us the the teams the Giants possibly could play here. I'm actually going to punt to James because he's like the uh, you know the tiebreaker computer over there. So he he give a much more thorough and uh, an accurate answer than I could. I'm just kind of waiting for him to tell me where we're going and I'll book the trip. Yeah, I like that. All right, James. Okay. Where is Dan, where is Dan possibly booking a flight <laughs> for you guys? There are four possible opponents for the Giants in the first round: the Green Bay Packers, the Detroit Lions. Atlanta Falcons, the Seattle Seahawks. Okay, it's about fifty. It's fifty-fifty basically that they're going to play the NFC North champion. It's now, but in terms of if you look at each team by team, currently the Seahawks have the best chance of being the fourth seed because the Seahawks is pretty simple. If Seattle loses to San Francisco, which we don't think is going to happen, but then again, this. The Niners are clearly playing hard because they had a chance. They had the number one uh, draft pick in hand, and they gave it away by beating the Rams. Seattle's not playing terribly well. And if you look at Seattle, the game is going to start at the same time as the Falcons-Saints game. If the Falcons beat the Saints, they get the number two seed in the NFC. So if Seattle looks up at the scoreboard and sees that the Falcons are up 30 nothing at halftime, they might say to themselves, well, we can't get. We're not going to get the two seed. What do we care if we get the three or the four? Let's sit our guys. So, if Seattle loses, the Giants are going to Seattle. If Seattle wins, chances are the Giants are probably going to the North champion as long as the Falcons win. But the only way the Giants go to the Falcons, and that's like the least likely scenario, is if the Falcons lose, the Seahawks win, and then the Lions win the NFC North. If they, we'll go to the, go ahead, Joe. I'm sorry. There, there, there's a lot. There's a lot to unpack there. Obviously, and there's yes. and these things will remain fluid on late the late Sunday window, Sunday afternoon. All right. So a couple things you said there that we we could get into um, in terms of the the least likely that would be Atlanta, but it's still a possibility. The most likely you said there would be the NFC North winner, yes. and, and the Giants would travel there. Let me ask you guys each each this for you based on those four possible opponents, Detroit. Green Bay, Seattle, Atlanta, all will be on the road in those venues. Dan, we'll start with you. The best matchup for the Giants. If the Giants could draw this up and say, we are going to blank next week, where do you think they'd want to go? Okay, well, let me first just throw in, I don't think there's any way the Seahawks are losing to the 49ers because, I mean, they. I don't think teams tank in that position when you're actually on the field. I mean, you might rest guys before the game, but so I'll just say that, like, I know that's a possibility based on the math and the numbers. I just, I just can't see it actually uh, playing out. So, anyway, plus, plus Chip Kelly's team is awful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, you know, they, well, they showed a little fight against the Rams. The Seahawks, it's a little different. If the Seahawks tie, 
the Giants would go to Seattle as long as Atlanta wins or ties, too. So that's also on the table. That would make two ties for Seattle this year, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, so I think, I mean, again, I'm mentally, you know, ruling out the Seahawks. If somehow it happens, it happens. I think that's probably the last team the Giants want to face. And not because the Seahawks are some juggernaut this year. They're really not. It's just really hard to win out there. If that game was at MetLife, I'd say bring it on. I mean, but the, the, the fact that that game would obviously be in Seattle, uh, you know, they again, they very rarely lose there. They probably got their one loss of the season out of the system uh, last week. So it's probably not going to happen again, you know, two weeks later. So I think you'd want no part of that trip. Uh, you know, the defense maybe isn't as good as it has been, but it's a great secondary, which is obviously going to go against the Giants' strength. And Russell Wilson factor, I mean, that's a guy who can just wreck games you know, kind of single-handedly with his mobility and, and his playmaking ability. So I think Seattle, uh, last pick for me uh, from the Giants. Green Bay, probably a close second because, again, I know the Giants have had their, their history of winning there uh, in big games, but that doesn't mean anything. I mean, they were just there a couple of months ago and, and got handled. I don't care what the final score said. And the Packers obviously playing a lot better. And again, I don't, you know, I know Aaron Rodgers, you know, has the one Super Bowl, but he's still not a guy I'd really be thrilled about facing, you know, in his house in January. Um, and beyond that, I mean, I think Atlanta is definitely a better team than Detroit, but I, I'm going to kind of group those two together. And, and I know Atlanta is a very unlikely matchup anyway, so it's, it's basically going to probably come down to to Detroit or Green Bay, in my opinion. And if, if you had that choice, uh, you know, Detroit's not the toughest place to play. You're going to be indoors. Uh, not a team that has much of a track record of winning. Just a lot of factors there. I think that if you're the Giants, that's that's kind of the dream matchup. I'm not saying that they'd automatically win, but if you're giving me a choice out of those four teams, I'll, I'll definitely take the Lions. Uh, because D- Dan just broke down that that North there, James. Touch on the Falcons because they're the one we haven't talked much about, uh, and I think that'd be an interesting matchup on the turf there in Atlanta. They're a good team. Their offense is historically good. That'd be a fun. That'd be a fun matchup, I would think, between the Giants' defense and the Falcon offense, if if that's one we got. Yeah, I think that would be a tough matchup for the Giants. I don't. I would say that the easiest, obviously, is Detroit. I think everyone would agree on that. The toughest. I mean, I, I think Seattle because you're in Seattle. But then again, if the Giants are in Seattle, that means that the Seahawks has lost consecutive games to the Cardinals and the Niners at home. I think the Packers is probably the worst matchup possible for the Giants, but the Falcons. That would be really tough because you said it. Atlanta's offense, historic. Matt Ryan, MVP year. I, I'm, I actually do a, did a scouting report. Averaging 33.5 points a game. They lead in yards per play, yards per pass play. Scored 30-plus points 10 times, 40-plus 5 times. The Falcons, this is a sneaky stat. They have outscored their opponents 125-58 to 58 in the first quarter this year. Giants are being outscored 88-51 to 51 in the first quarter. Giants are not a good starting team. Falcons jump on you early. I think the big key about the Falcons, though, is their defense was horrible at the beginning of the year. They gave up 28 points or more in each of their first four games, uh, allowed that in eight of 15 games this year. But they've held the last three opponents under 20 points for the last five. Their defense has crawled up to 23rd overall, 25th in scoring defense. So... Early in the year, you said this is going to be like a 45-42 shootout. And now, I mean, assuming the Giants offense got it going. I think now you look at this Falcons team as they've got a great offense that's going to really give the Giants defense a handful if they've met. And on the def- Giants offense perspective, that defense, it's not great, but it's a heck of a lot better than it was earlier in the year. So it's not a guarantee that they're going to go in there and walk over them and get themselves into some sort of shootout. So 
I and the dome obviously adds a home field thing to it. So I think the Falcons would be a really challenging matchup for the Giants. It's just one they're unlikely to see. Yeah, it would be a challenge matchup. Beasley, their defensive end, reminds me of uh, you know an OCU Manura type of pass rusher and that could give the Giants offensive line issues. It would be a difficult one. As we're saying, though, the North winner, Lions, Packers, the most likely scenario for the Giants to travel to in the first round. And regardless of where they go, regardless of which of these four teams we're breaking down on next week's episode, getting ready for a playoff game next weekend somewhere, wherever you guys uh, wherever Dan's booking a plane trip, you know, the story is going to be how the Giants play, wherever they go, how they perform against whichever team. Dan, you wrote about Eli Manning and how he has to perform. It's funny, you know, I think if Eli Manning, you know, his name was Joe Smith and he had never done anything in the postseason before, there'd be a panic, I think, around a lot of Giants fans to say, this quarterback right now with the way he's performed is not good enough to go win a Super Bowl. Yet there's a sense. Eli can just flip a switch when January arrives. Now, in 2011, I don't think that's really true because he had a really good year that year. He, he won a lot of games for them in the fourth quarter. In 07, that kind of is true. He did flip a switch somehow, some way in January. What do you think, Dan, when it comes to Eli? You know, are we at a point now where Giants fans should be worried about him? Or is that, is that possible that he just he flips a switch again and we go to January and he's a different quarterback? Well, it's funny. I kind of laughed at myself when you were talking about how in, in 07, you know, people didn't know what they had in Eli and, and how that's all changed. <laughs> I'm not sure that it has. I mean, there's still a pretty sizable segment of this fan base who is, is still not sold on Eli Manning, or at least, you know, <laughs> they were sold on there for those two Super Bowls, but now they're back to not being sold on him. I mean, I, and I, always, I also get a kick out of the fact because he's probably the least uh, controversial figure you could ever have as far as his personality and demeanor. Yeah, he might be the most polarizing athlete I've ever covered because fans, there's not really much middle ground. You either, you know, you either defend him to the hilt or you say that he's the root of all their problems. And, and obviously this year, uh, he's, he's right smack in the middle of that debate. Uh, but to your point, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those things where he's just had such a remarkable career because he's really never been you know, a top five quarterback. But his two Super Bowl runs, it'd be hard to, to top those. I mean, 15 touchdowns and two interceptions and all the road wins and, and upsetting the mighty Patriots when they're, you know, 18 and 0 and then doing it again. Um, so he's just, yeah, he's just a, has such an interesting career. But I think people also overlook the fact that uh, his playoff kind of history is, is kind of, you know, either the highest of the highs or the lowest of the lows. I mean, he's been horrible in their, their three playoff losses that, uh, you know, the other three years when they didn't win the Super Bowl. So it's not like, oh, just get him into get him into the playoffs and, and he'll deliver you to the promised land. He might also go, you know, I'm looking at some of his past games. He might also go 10 for 18 with 113 yards and three picks like he did back in, in uh, uh, 06 against the Panthers. So I was at that game, Dan. That was ugly <laughs> as it looked. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, again, you look at, I mean, hey, obviously you can remember the good times, but it's just, it's not automatic. And I think the way he's playing this year, um, you know, there's no, there's no sign that he's on the verge of, uh, of, you know, kind of turning it on, but you could go back and you said 11 was obviously a good season. Uh, but 07, there really was no sign that he was about to, you know, to turn into this road warrior and, and win all these big games like he did. So, uh, I mean, hey, with him, you have a chance. And that's, you know, that's more than you can say for probably half the quarterbacks in the league. Uh, but he, they, they're not going to win the Super Bowl if he plays at the level he's played at throughout the season. And again, I know I wrote the piece and I, I account for all the other issues that contribute to Eli's struggles. But John Jerry's not going to carry this team to the Super Bowl. Will Ty is not going to carry this team to the Super Bowl. Those guys kind of are what they are. Eli's the guy who has shown 
he does have this in him to to raise his level of play when it matters the most. So it has to be him. Again, yes, it'd be great if they had a better tight end. It'd be great if they had a better running back. But that's not going to change uh, in the next couple of weeks. So the only hope they really have offensively is that Eli somehow does kind of rediscover that magic. Yeah, and you look around the NFC, James. I mean, he's likely going to face. I mean, we just talked about the first four possible teams. We haven't even gotten to the teams uh, possibly after a bye, like Dallas, who you know they've done well against this year. But any one of those teams, the Lions, Matt Stafford, the Packers, Aaron Rodgers, the Seahawks, Russell Wilson, and, and the Falcons, you mentioned Matt Ryan as a possible MVP in the league. Like No matter who they face in that first round, Eli's going to have to go against a top-notch quarterback. Now, the Giants' defense could maybe knock that guy down a peg, but still, Eli's going to have to probably at least match whatever quarterback they go against. Definitely. I, look, I think Dan is right. Eli, this season has been extremely polarizing. And at the end of the day, Eli has to pick it up if this team's going to go anywhere in the playoffs. You know, they're not going to magically get better players at the other skill positions or on the offensive line. And to be frank, I think this whole idea that you know, the Giants are just going to roll out of bed one day and start scoring 30 points a game. It's, it's a little silly at this point. And also is the idea that, like, McAdoo, like, he's saving the good plays up for the playoffs. I mean, <laughs> the Giants, this is what they are. They're not a very good offense, and they'll be have to be, at the end of the year, however the year ends, you know, we, people can sit down and soul search and maybe be a little bit more, you know, blunt and candid about what went right and what went wrong and what they have to fix. But we thought this was going to be like a you know top 10, 30-point-a-game offense. They're not. They're barely a 20-point-a-game offense. They're not even that. But if Eli can raise his game up and elevate his level, then they've got a shot. So it's a, it's a sprint now after this you know Week 17 game that they may or may not show any interest in. And he's the only guy, I think, who can carry them across the finish line feasibly. No, I don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl. I don't even think they're going to win their first-round playoff game. But if they have any shot to do either of those things, it's on Eli. It is. And it always – well, it comes back to the quarterback. It always does uh, in January. Last one before we wrap up, and, you know, we're going to have a lot to talk about on next week's episode because we will preview a playoff game, which uh, we've never had a chance to do on this particular podcast because since we started it, this is the first time they made the playoffs. So next week will be a lot of fun, and this week will be interesting to watch. Um, the way they play this out and, and how they play in, in these games. But for you guys, did, did last week, did the Thursday night game, this is the first time we talked since then, did that change anything for you on your perspective on how the Giants you know, looked or moving forward, what they could do in the postseason? Because it's the first loss in a while that, you know, the Steelers lost, I think the three of us saw coming. This well, They got upset. They got upset and they did not play well in Philadelphia. Dan, was that just a bad night against a Philly team that was desperate for a win? Or did you see some things in there that worry you, you know, when the games again matter in two weeks? I'd say probably a combination of the two in the sense that, yeah, it was an upset. Didn't really see it coming, especially the way that they've been playing those Cowboys and Lions games. Uh, but at the same time, I don't think there was anything that showed up on Thursday night that was any co- any more cause for alarm than the reasons why they've kind of lost games, you know, the few that they've lost this season. I think if, if there was ever going to be a time where you'd be worried is if the defense really breaks down, because I think we all know that's what's going to have to carry this team. And really, the defense had the kind of the bad opening drive, uh, and then really kind of you know just buttoned up from there. I mean, obviously, one of the touchdowns was on a pick six, and obviously nothing they can do there. And uh, you know, they gave up the kind of busted coverage uh, on the deep ball, but you know that's going to happen. But you know, overall, that defense uh, you know was kind of what it has been all year. I mean, the problem is they basically have to be perfect, like they were in those Dallas and Detroit games. It seems like with the way the offense is, but 
Uh, you know, they make the goal line stand, you know, from the one foot line. And then the, the more remarkable thing that would have been getting a ton of attention if the Giants could have pulled that out twice in the last four minutes, they forced the Eagles to go three and out and, and you know, maybe not even a minute of time possession on either uh, possession. So it's just phenomenal situational defense to clamp down and, and give the offense the opportunities. Obviously, they couldn't take advantage. But, uh, yes, yeah, so I think the, the defense uh, kind of being what it was on Thursday – uh, is, is again kind of promising because that's what you're going to need and the reason why they lost you know again I put it back on the offense so I wouldn't say anything about Thursday really jumped out I mean it's probably a little bit discouraging for the fact that the Eagles really weren't uh, you know playing for anything but I think we sometimes overstate that in the NFL I mean these guys are all professionals They're very rarely the guys just mail it in maybe if you're on the 49ers and you're one in 14 you might say oh I don't really you know I don't really care this week but you know, the Eagles wanted to win that game, and they're a talented team, you know, talented defense. And, um, you know, they showed up, and they got to the, you know, the big lead early, and, and the Giants really couldn't overcome it. But nothing about that game said, oh, they can't go and win in Detroit. You know what I mean? It's The Giants kind of are who they are. Nothing on Thursday was, was significantly different. We've seen that when they play their best, they can beat anybody. I mean, clearly they've shown that twice against the Cowboys. And when they don't play that well, you know, you lose to a team that was, what, 5-9. and nine. So they, they, they kind of are what they are, and you just have to hope if you're a Giants fan that, kind of good Eli and, and the good Giants shows up, uh, you know, in the wild card round. Yeah, they have Giants fans that they cross their fingers uh, for good Eli and the good Giants to show up. And uh, James, Dan's right. I mean, the Giants are right there at this point heading into week 17. So is the NFC East, you know, one of the better divisions in football. And the Redskins can uh, go a long way with a win over the Giants to putting three NFC East teams in the postseason. James will wrap with this. Do you think the NFC East, and obviously the Giants will play one more game against the Redskins before the postseason, do you think the NFC East and the and it, I think it being the best division in football helps the Giants? You know, puts them they they face a lot of tough competition in that division this year. Do you think that gives them a little boost going into the playoffs? Because I don't think any division in football had a last place team as good as the Eagles. I mean, that's it was a good division this year. It's tough to say for me to because you know obviously they beat the three teams, but what I come back to from the Eagles game the other night is that. This Giants team really is, I don't think people maybe have noticed it until, but I think Thursday night's game kind of happened at home. They're not very good on the road. I mean, they beat the Cowboys on the road in week one, and obviously, you know, that's a great victory. It was the Cowboys or the Cowboys and everything. But they're now, I believe, three and four on the road. One of those wins was in London. One of them was in week one. And they've now lost, you know, Green Bay, Minnesota, Pittsburgh, Philly. When they've gone into a hostile environment, they haven't played very well. So they've won one true road game since opening day? Yes, which is the Browns. So they have won zero true road games since opening day? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, that's what, so like that to me is like you can say that playing the NFC helps them, but – and I don't – you know, like, look, Dallas is loud, but, like, I, I don't think of, of, eight, of Dallas as, like, the great home field advantages of the NFL. Not trying to take anything away from the Giants. I'm just saying – They've gone into outdoor stadiums and, and, and indoor stadiums that are out of control like Minnesota, and they haven't played very well. It's not like they've lost close games. I mean, they have, they've been flat as a pancake. So, yes, the NFC East, I think, helps them, but if they don't, like, if they go down to Washington and, and, they, and they mostly play the regulars and they get whacked, which I think there's a very good chance that happens, then I'm going to be like, well, this team's going to the playoffs they really haven't won a road game outside of the Browns since week one. How much did that division really help them if they still ended up going three and three in the division? 
and just basically, you know, they beat the Cowboys in week one and, and they kind of maybe failed in week 17. So they just, so I, I think the NFC East is a very strong division, probably the best in football. They should get three teams in if Washington wins on Sunday. Although, as everyone who follows me on Twitter knows, that tie situation, the NFC North, could, I mean, it's not going to happen, but it would be the most ridiculous thing if it did happen and those teams decide to tie and both go to the playoffs. But I, I don't know how much the Giants really have gotten out of playing in the East, other than the fact that they were one of, they would finish second in division to a team that might finish 14 and 2, and that's definitely an accomplishment. It certainly is. And yeah, that, that'll be another thing for next week that, uh, you know, suddenly if the Giants and their fans hope they can turn on the, uh, the road mantra and go all the way on the road through the postseason. They'll probably cite Eli being one of the best road quarterbacks in the NFL. Again, that goes back to citing the past to see if they could do it again. It's going to be a fun couple weeks around this football team. You guys will be in Landover on Sunday for what probably will feel like a strange atmosphere, depending on how that one plays out. We'll catch up again next week, uh, and we'll talk about where you guys have booked a flight and, uh, and what game we're previewing for the first round of the postseason. James, as always, thanks for doing this. You got it, Joe. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, I've got some hand warmers in the stockings for Lambeau. I'll be ready. You're all ready to roll for uh, for Eli against Rodgers in the playoffs. We'll preview that or whoever the Giants are going to face in the first round. Coming up next week on Talk is Cheap. We'll be back then. Everyone have a great week. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find ours. And leave us a rating on iTunes. It helps the show grow as we get set to deliver you some playoff podcasts right here on NJ.com. <laughs>